All right, welcome to the Empirical Preparedness Podcast. My name is Caleb. We're out here on the Appalachian Trail right now. We'll get to that in a minute. What I'm doing out here, go over a little bit of my my gear, my food setup, camping setup. But I just want to say welcome. If you're new, if it's the first time tuning in, thanks for stopping by. Um, let me know on whatever platform you're listening to. Leave a comment. Let me know how you found us. I'm curious how this how the word is getting out there. Who's listening? Where to tune it in from? So let us know. We're trying to build a community here, and um, want to hear about hear from you. So you send me an email. You can leave a comment on your uh, listening platform. Check us out on YouTube. All that good stuff. Um, if you're a recurring listener. Thanks again for checking us out, and uh, we appreciate the support. Head on over if you haven't already, and give a rating on whatever listening platform you're on, and give us some feedback. Let me know what you want to hear about, um, what you like about a podcast, what things I can do better to improve it. All that helps us grow, it helps us to build a community, it helps us to be you know, community-oriented instead of me just rambling my mouth. So uh, if you would take time to do that, I'd be greatly, um, I'd be grateful for that. So let's dive in. Um, It's day one of this. I'm doing a three-day little trek. And um, I'm thinking I might actually do this little end of the day recap and put it all into one one little podcast episode but um do individual you know daily recaps i think that might be kind of cool so basically to give a little lay of the land and what we're doing there's three peaks out here in virginia on the appalachian trail and they call it the triple crown it's three of the most well-known peaks on the Appalachian Trail, one of which, McAfee's Knob, is supposedly the most photographed spot on the Appalachian Trail. And I've done, I've done McAfee's Knob by itself, but all of these, Tinker Cliffs, McAfee's Knob, and Dragon's Tooth, are all interconnected over a 30-mile span. And so I figured I would pack my bag, grab my pup, and we'd do this in about two and a half, three days. Kind of leisurely, you know, 10 to probably 10 to 12 miles a day, depending. Um, and so, yeah, we're on day one. Um, so, first of all, Uh, maybe we should talk. Yeah. So I'm starting on the north side, which is Tinker Cliffs is the first stop, or the first, uh, first peak. Tinker Cliffs 
And then we'll hit McAfee's knob and then we'll finish off with Dragon's Tooth. And already so far we've had some beautiful, beautiful scenic spots. There's a couple of overlooks, Overlook Carvin's Cove, which is a beautiful um, lake or I don't know if it's considered a reservoir or a lake. Beautiful spot out here in the foothills of the Appalachians. And uh, there's a couple of scenic overlooks. And I may, if you check out YouTube, I'm going to try to get a video posted and you'll be able to see all that on video and, and picture format. But it's just a beautiful spot. So we've already got some scenery and we haven't even made it to Tinker Cliffs yet. I haven't been tracking it, so I don't know the exact mileage, but I'm thinking my guesstimate is we're about eight miles in uh, from the start this morning. So we started about 10 o'clock this morning. All was well. Nothing too crazy. Um, it's actually been kind of overcast, which has been perfect because between overcast and... Um, the trees, getting some shade from the trees. It's just been pretty comfortable weather. We did have one spot where we were exposed on the power line trail. And um, and we were on a climb. So that spot was exposed and the sun happened to be out. And man, I got wore out pretty quick. I ain't gonna lie. And it brings me to my next point about water and hydration. So I brought five and a half liters of water for me and Grace May. And I thought that was going to be plenty. And it may be plenty. But hear me out. When it's the heat of the summer, we're in August 9th. And sun's beaming down on you and you're trying to do 30 miles. You're a little bit concerned about when your next restation refill you know water stop is going to be and that was all that was on my mind today was when am i going to get water because five and a half liters truthfully is enough for about one day for for me and the dog and um and i got three days out here so i was thinking about it you know we're mile four mile five and i'm like Mm, we're on the top of the mountain and I don't know where we're going to get water. And I looked at a map and I saw a couple little blue lines and I was like, all right, there's got to be a creek up here, something that flows down off the mountain into this lake. It's got to be something up here. And I come up on the first one and it's bone dry. And I was just thinking, man, this is not... We're not, we're not low on water at this point. You know, we're only four or five miles in. But I was already thinking about, do we have to be super conservative about water consumption on day one so that we have enough for day two and day three? And, um... Apologize. Pause. Apologize. I don't know what I'm hearing. Oh, I don't know. I guess there's some 
critters out here. Thought I heard something. Um, so I didn't want to have to ration so early. We come up to the first little river, the little or the little blue creek on my map, and it was bone dry, man, and it got me a little worried that they were all gonna be like that. And then um, we end up coming up to a camp spot, designated camping, right here on the trail for through hikers and stuff. And I was just so stoked, run up on a little bit of moving water right here on the uh, right here by the campsite. So I filled up, and it's it's low. Don't get me wrong. I had to. I couldn't get any. So usually I get off of the um, the moving water that's coming off the rocks. You know, it's the cleanest, it's the coolest. You know, I, I, that's what I want. But there's not enough moving water for that. I had to pull from the still, the little stagnant pools. But it's okay. I was able to get about, I think, four liters so far I've drank. Almost two liters just since being at camp, uh, eating dinner and trying to kind of hydrate and make sure I'm good to go for tomorrow. So we're back to full capacity, five and a half liters for day one. And then tomorrow, I don't know what the water sources are going to look like, but I do know that we're supposed to get some rain and I want to test out something if we can, if I can. I brought a little umbrella. So, in the heat of the summer, wearing a rain jacket is miserable. It's just hot. There's no ventilation. And I didn't want to be hiking with a rain jacket on, so I thought to bring a um, an umbrella. And then as I'm hiking today, I'm thinking, man, worst case scenario, if we don't get any water supply today, the rain tomorrow, I can set that umbrella upside down, let it fill up with water, and then I can dump it into my bottle and filter it. I got a filter, so I can, I don't even need to filter rainwater, to be honest with you. I wouldn't. Um, so, who knows? Maybe we'll try that. And I, I know that ain't, I ain't the first person to think of that, but. As I was racking my brain about how to collect rainwater, I just thought, man, I got an umbrella, and that's a nice wide surface area. Flip it upside down and just collect as much water as you can. So, I also got a tarp. I could hang a tarp up, I suppose, and um, that might not be a bad idea to collect some water too. Tie it up between some trees and then just let it pool up in the middle and then pour it off. So um, that's my thought. If we're running low on water, is to do that. So anyway, we get up here to camp. I fill up my water. I set up my camp, and I'm sitting in um, a hammock with a bug net. Like I say, I got a tarp. I actually got two tarps: one for my hammock and one small tarp for my gear if I need it. But um hammock camping and I, I didn't set up the tarp tonight because we're not supposed to get rain supposed to be dry so I just got the bug net so we stay nice and cool and comfortable 
and um, then we had some food. So my food situation, first of all, apologize. I'm yawning already. I must be getting tired. So I was racking my brain preparing for this trip, trying to make sure I got enough calories because the work the this ain't the worst thing in the world. But in my mind, if I ran out of food, I was not gonna be happy. So I wanted plenty of food. And so I was doing the math and all this and, and um over the course of two and a half days I think I brought close to like twelve to fourteen thousand calories or something. And I was thinking I was gonna burn at least fifteen thousand. That was my thought was five thousand calories a day. And um that may be the case, but I don't know if it's gonna quite be that high. But even if it is the case, I'm realizing that I'm not even all that hungry and I don't even think I'm gonna eat um in a surplus or even in a maintenance caloric maintenance um state. I'm probably going to be in a deficit no matter what because something about just moving like this, I'm burning way more than I want to eat. I'm burning way more than is normal. And um, and I just don't want to eat that much. So I still, I got calorically dense food and a couple of things I prepared ahead of time. I made pemmican, which is a... Um, what do you call it, is uh, kind of a native, um, what's the word? So like natives and the Inuit and survival, um, it's a survival food essentially. Uh, basically what they used to do, from my knowledge, I ain't no historian, but from my knowledge, they would... Um, pre-make this pemmican and throw it in their packs and go on these long treks through the snow to hunt or um, yeah, be gone for weeks at a time to hunt. And so they would pre-make uh, this pemmican. What it is, is basically dehydrated meat, in my case dehydrated beef, and then rendered fat. And so you make the jerky first and then you pulverize it or you grind it into a powder and then you take your rendered beef fat and while it's still liquid form you pour it into the powdered jerky and you mix it up and then you take that mixture and you lay it in a mold or in my case I put it in a large pan you know about half an inch thick or so made a nice little um you know like you're gonna make brownies meat brownies, beef brownies. And then I cut it afterwards into little cubes. After that, after it cools down, that beef fat will start to solidify. And then you got you a little beef bar, a little, uh, and the rendered fat is basically, won't spoil, and the jerky won't spoil because there's no moisture in it. So now you got this 
really calorically dense survival food that's got a perfect ratio of protein to fat, essentially. So I tried to weigh it out, and I think, according to my measurements, my calculations, I'm about 80-20, 80% fat, 20% protein, which gives me about, um, I think, 350 to 400 calories per little square. And um, and they taste pretty good. I mean, it tastes like a dehydrated burger. And some people um, will add dried fruit. You can dry fruit and add that to it, which I may do in the future. That actually sounds pretty good. Um, but that was my main course was the dehydrated uh, or the pemmican. And I'm going to continue to make that, and I'm going to keep it on hand as a survival food. I actually really like, um, I like it as a preserved meal. And then I dehydrated some plantains and bananas and mango. Let me tell you what, boy, that plantain, oof, I, I didn't add anything to it. I bought that plantain straight from the store. Got the ripest one I could find. Threw it in the dehydrator. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I just, I don't know. I, I spent some time in, down near the Caribbean. And um, I love plantains, I'll tell you that much. So, dried fruit. And I ate some of that about lunchtime. Or we ate, I think we ate about 2 o'clock. And, and I ate some of those carbs. And now I'm fat adapted. I do keto primarily um, carnivore diet primarily and then periodically I'll have a couple carbs and that's what I did today was had some of that dried fruit and I um, man when I had that dried fruit I had it I had so much energy and I was feeling a little low before that I ate some of that dried fruit and some water I think I had some bacon too I pre-made some bacon so I had protein, fats, and carbs, and I went into freaking, ooh, nitrous kicked in, and got a little jog in, man. Me and Gracie were feeling it at that point, and she picked up her pace, too, because she had a nice little meal at that point. So um, that was about my prepped food. Like I said, the bacon, too. And what I did with the bacon, uh, I didn't know if it was going to last uh, in the, the heat, uh, some people say that, you know, meat you shouldn't have for more than a couple hours or unless it's refrigerated. So I had, I have two water bladders in my pack. And this morning I packed them with cold water and ice. And I basically took that bacon and I put it in there next to those water bladders so they would stay nice and cool. And it worked, man. I didn't have no problem with it. So... The bacon stayed cool, didn't spoil, and I was able to snack on it throughout the day. Gave Gracie a couple pieces, and um, no big deal. So I like that, but I got to be careful because if it got too hot, then I would just be wasting, and I don't, I don't like wasting food like that. But as long as I know, you know, a 24 to 36 hour window where I can keep some, some cool water, it works out. And one other thing I learned too, if you really need to keep stuff cool, you can actually put it in the water. And um, 
you put it in the bladder or like in this case if you have access to a moving stream not that i have much moving water but but if i needed to i'd take that ziploc bag and i could toss it in the water and leave it in the water overnight because that water is significantly cooler than the air temperature and it's um you know it's like keeping it in the refrigerator so um yeah if you need to keep something cool that's the best way to do it just toss it in the water and then other than the foods that i pre-prepared i did buy a few things basically bought um some of the tuna packets salmon i i've actually never had salmon in a packet but they had some um a closeout deal on some salmon from this company and the little you know the soft pack like the tuna does i said man i'll try it i like salmon so um we'll give it a shot and then i also found a um a beef brisket in a package and it's only like two or three ingredients beef brisket beef broth and smoke flavor so as long as i can um you know keep my ingredients list small main things i'm looking for when i eat my i i avoid seed oils i avoid um, starches corn starch modified corn starch nothing like that no corn syrups no added sugar none of that crap um, you'd be surprised you look at a label all those 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 ingredients are in most preserved foods but you can get packaged meat that is um that doesn't have those things and i don't know why that is it's kind of interesting to me that most preserved foods have most for or, or, or a combination of those ingredients seed oils corn starch corn syrup but you can get tuna beef oysters sardines you get all these canned meats that are healthy for you and there's none of that in there there's one or two ingredients the actual protein source and maybe an added olive oil or something like that but that's my go-to i'm looking for fats and proteins and minimal minimal ingredient list and that's what i found um so that's about it I, oh last last thing for food anyway is a bag of walnuts and a jar of peanut butter and i know peanut butter is not that healthy for you it's but in terms of macros and some energy that was my backup source of um getting some calories so we're dealing with it while we're out here generally i i don't eat too much peanut butter i'll eat it on occasion but it's not my my favorite option i think that um it's not the healthiest option so did i cover the food i think i covered the food i covered a camp setup food water five and a half liters what's my other considerations basically i got my camera i got solar charger bunch of unnecessary crap that normally i would avoid but i'm trying to document my journeys i guess and, and you got to have those things 
Even when you're off grid, you're still on grid. That's the way it goes. Um, so I got a can of pepper spray. I don't know if that's necessary, but um, I heard there's bears out here. And the Appalachian Trail is known for murderers too. And that's a fact. Google it. There's been a lot of murders on the Appalachian Trail. And I figured, man, I'll pepper spray somebody real quick. <laughs> um, pocket knife. Paracord. Wet wipes. And trash bags. And that's about it. A shemog. Okay, let me explain a shemog real quick. Google it. You'll see people in desert wearing them in the Middle East. You see military vets. It is a big, massive scarf that you can do countless things with. And I'll be honest with you, it's one of my favorite things to keep on hand. It is so handy. I use it for numerous things. Um, but if you don't have a shemog, it's worth the $12 or $10 or whatever it is. They're literally so cheap and they should stay with you. Um, I love it. But other than that, I guess that's day one. You know, we're just hanging out here and deer walked by camp a minute ago. I'm sure they're relatively comfortable with people, but. Me and Gracie try to be respectful to the wildlife and stay quiet and just enjoy the nature. And um, I think in return, you know, they trust us most times until Gracie tries to scare them away. But um, it's always nice to see some wildlife close up, especially deer. And I just, there's something about a deer that, it's like they want to, you want to be friends with it, but you also want to eat it. <laughs> but they're, they're cool little animals. So, um, I guess that about wraps up day one. I'll check in tomorrow. And, yeah, we'll do a recap of day two. But we'll leave it at that for now. Out. All right, day two recap. It's a pretty good day. So let's go back to the beginning. What happened this morning? Um, all right, so we got up about 6.30. I think I set my alarm for about 6, but we slept in a little bit. I got up about 6.30, um, went ahead and packed up my hammock, You know, got my bag packed and organized, and filled up my last liter of water. That I had drank over the evening, filled up in the last liter of water, and man, it was overcast, and I could smell the rain coming in, and I just knew that um, it was going to be, I'd, I'd, I thought it was going to be a rough day, a wet day, and I wanted to get a move on as early as possible and get as far up the trail as we could get before the rain hit, so we made it. We stopped just shy of Tinker Cliffs, and then that morning uh, from 7 to 8, so we, we, or we left. By the time we had got water, refilled water, I think that it was about 7.15 when we actually started, stepped off. 
and made it to Tinker, right below Tinker Cliffs. So we were actually under the cliffs right about 8 o'clock. So it was only about a mile away, if that, maybe even less than a mile away from where we had camped that night. And right about that time that we got underneath the cliffs, it started sprinkling. And we found this little um, spot under the rock. And you'll be able to see this if the video goes live. You'll be able to kind of see what I'm talking about. But basically, big, you know, rock formations with a little um, overhang um, that we were able to post up under while it started raining Sat down, went ahead and eat breakfast. We didn't eat breakfast up until this point, so we sat down, had some breakfast, and let me tell you what, it picked up. The rain just came, a torrential downpour. The fog filled the entire place. I felt like we were in the middle of a rainforest. It was pretty gnarly. And I actually was able to get some cell service sitting there on that spot. I looked at a radar, and it didn't look like it was going to hold up at all. Um, the The heat of it was coming in about 9, 9.15, and it just it looked like a big old storm coming through that we were not going to be able to miss. So I was contemplating how long we were going to stay there, uh, if we were going to move in the rain, or if we were just going to ride it out. And... Basically, I, I came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to let up. It looked as bad as it could possibly be, and there was no signs of it clearing up. So we had to make a move. I needed to cover some ground. I didn't want to wait all day. So about... Um, and, and at this point, I had kind of made up my mind that we were going to make it to McAfee's Knob and or the McAfee's Knob Trailhead which was actually, you know, at this point from the north side, cross over McAfee's Knob and then back down to that McAfee's Knob trailhead. And I was going to get picked up there. And my thought was, as long as I have cell phone service now, I can go ahead and make the decision, hey, send me somebody, um, have somebody there to pick me up. And so I kind of made up in my mind that we were going to endure for about four or five hours in the rain. Gracie was going to get soaking wet. I was going to be soaking wet. It was going to be miserable, but we were going to get there and get picked up. No big deal. So by 9.30 or so, we had been sitting there for an hour and a half, had our breakfast, drank some water, and I waterproofed my pack as much as possible. I tried to put a poncho on Gracie. I had I have a cheap, you know, one of those 99 cent ponchos for, for humans. And I tried to tie it up on Gracie. And she took a step and she tripped over it. And it looked like it hurt. The way that she kind of tripped over the poncho and fell on a rock. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. that That's not good. Let me, uh, I'd rather you get wet than be tripping over a piece of plastic. So I ripped that thing off of her, and I brought an umbrella. With with this hot weather, I'm not too keen on wearing rain gear. It just gets way too hot. There's a lack of ventilation. I mean, to be waterproof, it makes sense, you know? Like, there's no... You, you sweat inside of it, and then you're just as wet as if... 
or even not even sweat, but just condensation inside because the the heat transfer, you end up being more wet by wearing rain gear in the summer than you are by just getting wet with the rain. So I didn't want to deal with all that, and I didn't, so I didn't bring it. I brought a small umbrella instead. I'm glad I did. I actually like carrying an umbrella much more than um, wearing a rain jacket. So anyway, got my bag wrapped up as much as possible, and we stepped off. Now, mind you, we're at the bottom, kind of underneath these rocks, and then we go up, and now we're on top um, of the actual cliffs where it's supposed to be a beautiful overlook where you can see uh, Carvin's Cove again, and supposedly cows, and so I've heard, well... We get up there, and it is dense fog. I couldn't see 10 feet in front of me. Um, The wind were howling. I had to let the umbrella down because the winds were going nuts. And I just had in my mind this vision that this was going to be an entire day like this. Just nasty, um, nasty weather that you you don't want to be hiking in. It kind of sucked. But at the same time, it was cool. You know, I mean... There's things like that you don't often get the opportunity to enjoy because you are locked up in those moments. When a storm hits, you're inside or you're inside of your tent or under shelter or whatever. So to be able to walk in it, there was an aspect of it that was kind of cool. I just knew that I didn't want to do it for four hours. (laughs) So we picked up the pace a little bit and just started moving as quick as we could. And thankfully at this point, we had already, I mean, the cliffs are the highest point up until this point, I think, or or close to it. So we had a good descent and a pretty gradual descent for the next couple of miles. And we were able to, to really kind of pick up the pace. And sure enough, it wasn't an hour later. The rain had settled. I was able to put the umbrella up. And it was still dense fog and just this light mist, but it was just enough of a mist to where it was comfortable and cool. And um, and we walked through these hickory and oak flats. You had some beautiful little green, lush um, growth on the sides of the trails. And then these hickory trees that were, you know, just beautiful couple hundred year old hickories. And it was just, it was just nice, man. I'll be honest with you, I, in that moment, and it was also relatively flat and I picked up the pace a little bit and, um, I thank God for the environment and just, just holding off the rain so we can enjoy it. I started singing some, some hymns that I know or some, some David Crowder songs, Oh, He Loves Us. And, you know, I don't know a whole lot of music, but I know a couple of choruses, and I just, I just felt good in that moment, you know, it, it, those are the types of, those are the reasons I go out there is for moments like that. And I actually had prayed earlier in the, in the morning as we were climbing one of the hills, I, um, and I knew it was going to be a rough day. I just prayed that God would open my ears to hear him and open my eyes to see him, regardless of the circumstances that we encountered that day. And um, to reveal himself to me in a way that, you know, only I could see his glory. And 
I'll be honest with you, that's what he did. I had a, a peace of mind throughout the rest of that trail. And as the the fog lifted and I was able to look across, there was this one little peak through the trees where the fog had lifted and I was able to see just a glimpse of the Carvins Cove River or the Carvins Cove um, water with the fog lifting over the mountains. And it was a amazing. I mean, it's all picture picture perfect, but it really was one of those moments where I just thought of the goodness of God in that. And um, it was cool. So we just kept going. Like I said, the descent also kind of made it nice. We didn't have to really exert too much energy climbing. At this point, we were able to move at a really comfortable pace. And um, and then, yeah, that, that was kind of, okay, yeah. So now we're getting four or five miles in. And I think that we did about 12 miles total today. But um, at this point, we're four or five miles in. The fog had started to lift. Rain had stopped completely at this point. And it was just a comfortable little little trail run slash, you know, hike. We weren't running too much, but we had a couple of opportunities where I could pick up a pace. Anyway, comfortable hike. And um, I started to think if we were going to make another call or try to get some cell service, make another call to cancel that ride and finish out Dragon's Tooth. And man, I went back and forth over and over and over whether I wanted to do the entirety of what we had discussed, the Triple Crown, or if we were going to call it short. At this point, my family had already um, planned on picking me up. And I think here's what made the decision for me. Here's why I, I stuck with that decision. Because I'm at home now. We we finished McAfee's Knob. We did not do Dragon's Tooth. And I think uh, my shoes were soaking wet. Dragon's Tooth is a basically a rock climb. It's not a trail. It's there's or there's part of a trail, but there's also basically a rock face that you walk up this massive rock. And um, I don't know any other way to put it other than Google some pictures, and you'll see that it's not a safe or an easy climb to get up to Dragon's Tooth. So, it being wet, I didn't really want to climb up it. With a dog, I didn't know how she was going to do on it. She's a rock climber. She's from Phoenix, Arizona. And we've climbed in the Rocky Mountains all over Colorado and Arizona. I'm not taking that away from her. She is a rock climbing dog, don't get me wrong. But in this case, I was unsure of our ability together to manage this in wet conditions. Because those rocks do get slick. So there was one consideration. The second consideration was just the views and the fog. Like I said, at Tinker Cliffs, we already lost that entire view. It was foggy, dense fog, couldn't see. And I didn't want to get to Dragon's Tooth and have the same type of situation. If I was going to do it, I wanted to do it in ideal conditions, have the views and enjoy the day. 
Um, and one other decision, so I, I kind of made that decision that it's not necessarily a good, safe bet to to continue a dragon's tooth. And I, in my mind, I had peace about that. We also came to a fork in the road where we could take a fire road or continue to do McAfee's Knob and actually get to the point of McAfee's Knob, the Appalachian Trail the entire way, and then back down to the trailhead. And I contemplated again whether I wanted to take the easy route and just hit the fire road. We're going to get out of here quickly, safely, boom, bomb it out of here, just be done with it. But we came to this fork, and it was overgrown, and what was supposed to be a service road was just, it looked hideous. And it made made the decision for me. I was not interested in that. I'd rather climb the extra 800 feet of elevation and probably an extra mile or two through the Appalachian Trail. And and we do, and I'm so glad we did. We met a couple people, had a short, brief conversation, and got up there to McAfee's Knob. Again, the fog is just kind of rolling over the mountains. You can see the valley. I got a, f- a few pictures and videos that will go up, hopefully be posted shortly. And And it was just... It's an amazing sight. It really is. And McAfee's Knob is one of the most uh, photographed spots on the Appalachian Trail. So it's really neat, I think, for me to be able to have that in my backyard and be able to experience what a lot of people, you know, want to experience and, and aren't able to. Or they do it once in a lifetime, whether it's a through hike or a section hike. People come from all over the world. And I thought about this. People come from all over the world to experience what I have here in my backyard. And that's pretty cool. So I'm stoked that I got up there and and saw McAfee's Knob once again and was able to get some pictures and videos. And, um, and then from there, we have four miles, four miles out from McAfee's Knob to the, the trailhead where I was getting picked up. And it's mostly downhill. There's a couple couple um, little incline sections, but majority of from that peak to the parking lot is relatively uh, downhill. And there's a couple good sections where I was able to run. And we picked up the pace, man, and we, we booked it out of there. We moved quickly and comfortably and it felt good and I thought in my mind if we're going to finish this early I'm at least going to get a good workout in and sure enough I did I was very pleased with uh what we were able to do Gracie was enjoying it she's pretty tuckered out now she's been napping mostly afternoon but we uh we moved good and I'm happy about that I just couldn't be more grateful for my health and the type of training that I've been able to do Really, over the last year, year and a half, I've been focusing more on this endurance training and um, and more functional training that gets me around these mountains and gives me to a place where I can do things um, relatively comfortably or at least um, just just able to succeed in different avenues of of life. And this was one of those moments where I was like, man, I can... I can do this. I can. And so that kind of brings me to another point. I, as I'm picking up the pace, 
and throughout this this journey over the last couple of days, I've been thinking about how much I enjoy trail running versus backpacking. So I've got a lot to learn with backpacking. I haven't done as much of it because for the longest time I was um, truck camping and then I got into backpacking and done a couple of smaller trips. And I like to be prepared, hence the name, (laughs) but that doesn't mean that I figured out how to be efficient. So I tend to bring too much stuff. My pack is already heavier pack. It's more of a a military style pack with with Molly and um and it's heavier than most hiking backpacks. And so this trip with the camera, I think I mentioned this, I'm over 50 pounds and that's it's not the most comfortable. You know, I weigh buck 60s, so we're talking a third of my weight on my back. And it's not that it's un, it's not doable. Obviously, I did 20, 22 miles this way. I've rucked this much weight. I've rucked way more weight than that when I need to. But if I'm talking about covering ground and seeing things, I would rather, in my mind, I'm thinking I would rather drop this pack, pick up a hydration vest, and maybe stock two or three gallons of water along the trail or be prepared to... Um, be prepared to filter some water on a trail and do this 30 mile section in like one day you know what we covered in two days I could have covered in one day if I was lighter and just able to run the trail so I think that for me I want to get to that point um you know I'll still backpack some but I'm just contemplating in my mind what type of trails do I want to backpack versus which versus what do I want to um to kind of fast pack slash run and I think when I'm talking about covering 30 miles or so like this I would rather do um I'd rather do more of a fast pack now I enjoy camping and so if I have an opportunity to hike into a camp spot and hang out with two or three friends for the evening and make the camp the focus, if camp was the focus, then I would backpack in and that's fantastic. Cool. I'd even set up camp and do some fishing or something. That's a whole different ball game. But the through hiking mentality, section hiking, where I'm going point A to point B with the goal of going point A to point B, that's where I'm thinking that I want to move a little bit quicker, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of where I'm at with that. And that was some of that contemplation in my mind about how much and, and, and what angles do I want to take as far as running versus backpacking. So, like I said, I picked up the pace, had about four miles left and we, we moved, um, pretty quickly and I'm happy about that. And then, man, I'll be honest with you, I got about to the truck and I just, everything had cleared up. It didn't look like it was going to rain anymore. The clouds were dissipating. And I was, I was really tempted to just send my dad on his way and be like, yo, you can go back home. I'm sorry. Here's 20 bucks for gas. I'm going, I'm finishing Dragon's Tooth. Because I think we had less than eight miles to finish what we set out to do. And that was a, a tough decision. 
But um, ultimately, we packed up, got in a truck, and, and came home. And then it's been sunny. <laughs> it's been sunny the last couple hours as we sit here, rest up, eat some food. And I, I just feel like there's a something missing. I feel like it's kind of unsettling, unfinished. You know, I had a goal in mind, and I bailed on it. I, I chose to... Yeah. And I think ultimately we, we made the right decision, or in this case, we made the right decision because we couldn't have made decisions any quicker. I already had people in line to come pick me up. You know, minimal cell service, the safety of Dragon's Tooth. What was I to do? Yes, I can do it, and I know I can do it. You know, and, and I think that that's where the the justification in my mind comes in is that it wasn't a matter of can I accomplish this. I'm I'm past that. I know I can accomplish this, um, but I'm grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful for the the solitude that I had over the last couple of days, the quiet trail, the cool breeze, um, and and God revealing Himself to me that I couldn't be more stoked to really get back out there and do it some more. Um, more camping, more trail running, and, and really just, I, I tend to forget when I'm, I'm in the comfort of routine and house and the distractions of life, you know, you can get so far away from creation and from God, but when I'm out there, even, even for a short time frame, when you're detached from all of that and you put your phone away, you know, disconnect from the world, you get to experience the the fullness of God through His creation, and that's why I do it. That's one of the biggest reasons that I go out there is to experience that. And I'm grateful that I had this the health and and the opportunity this week to be able to do that, and a dog to to give me some company along the way. So, you know, it is what it is. We're wrapping up the day here this evening. I'm taking a look at some of the video. And I'm pretty excited about this. Listen, I'm still learning. Things are awkward trying to film myself. I think most people probably feel that way. But I'm going to try to get this kind of compiled and, and push this out there and, and let people kind of enjoy and see what I, what, what Gracie and I got to experience over the last couple of days. So I guess with that being said, I don't think I have any other thoughts or anything noteworthy to discuss so i appreciate all the listeners out there anybody that's tuning in um yeah it's good to have y'all all right with that said i'm caleb coleman empirical preparedness out